0: What's up, Daw Nation? Welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Daw with Tara Devina, where we're going to be talking about unique music branding. We're also going to be talking about the best type of musical brands, the worst type of musical brands, and the five questions that you can ask yourself right now today to find your own unique brand. By the way, if you're brand new to this podcast, this is a podcast where I interview music producers, singers, songwriters, sound designers, music industry experts, anyone on that spectrum on an emotional, philosophical branding, marketing, and music business basis. Basically, if there is anything that has to do with your music, music career, that will help your music career, this is where you're going to learn it. So if you're not already subscribed to the Behind the Doll podcast, make sure to do so on whatever platform that you're listening and or watching on. We bring out content like this all the time. By the way, we have a free download that is associated with this video. There is a link down in the description or you can go to donation.net slash Tara. That is donation.net slash T-A-R-A. R A. It is a free sample pack from our Was It You Walkthrough that we have with AU5, Matthew Steeper, and Halian. It is actually the song that's playing in the background right now, and it's going to play in the logo reveal. So if you want that free sample pack that's made from the song itself, from the sounds in the song itself, link down below or donation.net slash T-A-R-A. RA. And if you want to make the entire song of Was It You, learn all of the music production from AU5 and all of the vocal production from Halion and Matthew Steeper, this episode is sponsored by the Was It You Walkthrough. It is a full course doing exactly what I just said. You can learn all the tips, tricks, secrets, and strategies from Matthew Steeper, Halion, and AU5. All the things that they did to them make that song is actually insane. I think there's like 17 hours worth of content all kinds of goodies. If you want to learn more about that, you can click the link down below or you can head on over to donation.net slash W I Y. Was it you? Makes sense. But donation with all that said and all that out of the way, let's get into this week's episode of Behind the DAW with Tara Davina. <laughs> I want to welcome you to another week's episode of Behind the DAW and Donation. Nation. We have so many gems for you today. There's so much knowledge in this episode. We have Tara Davina here. And the first topic that we're going to talk about with her is unique branding. So Tara, take it away. Tell us about unique branding.
1: As we all know, there's so many artists out there in our genre, no matter what genre we have. Like At this point, in the way that the music industry is now, there's an opportunity for everybody to be available. And so in order to stand out, it really takes something more than the music. Like, you know, we all see so many incredibly talented artists that nobody seems to know about. And this is something that obviously bothered me for a long time as things started to shift in the music industry. I noticed this more and more. And I got curious about, like, what makes an artist like me, what makes an artist like you be able to stand out and find our audience in such a wildly vast um, market where both everything is possible and nothing seems possible. And I started watching who seems to be really successful with their marketing, who seems to be successful with being recognized and known. And number one is, as we've always known, it rarely has to do with the quality of the music. So true. Not that it hurts to have really high quality and incredible music. And that music does speak for itself in some ways. But it's not what builds an audience and it's not what gets us known. It's also not what keeps people coming back for more, ironically. It's more about what people know us for. And you would think it would be the music, but actually it's our messaging. It's our message. And professional marketers and branders for large corporations have always known this, right? If you think about your favorite brands, you can almost always hear the tagline, the message, the thing that brand presents itself and stands for. If you think about your favorite teachers and mentors and coaches and public figures that we admire, there's usually something that they stand for that we can remember them by. And what's funny is most musicians don't have that. Like you look at that musician and you don't really get a sense of who they really are at the core because most of us don't spend the time to really invest in getting to know who we are as a figurehead, as a leader. And that's really what marketing and branding is about. It's about being a leader and leading in some way. And it's not that we have to have something incredibly remarkable and unheard of to say. It's more just about standing for something that is recognizable that other people can look at and say, I stand for that too. And I want to be a part of having more of that in the
0: world. Thank you so much for sharing this. This is stuff I've been saying for years to Donation. And a lot of people have taken it to heart, but there's still a lot of people who are like, I don't know, man. So it's so nice to to know there's someone else out there that is experiencing and seeing and forming opinions that are the same as mine. So this is very, very nice. But I wanted to go a bit deeper into branding really quick with you, Donation, which is, I believe you'll agree with this as well, Tara. Branding, there's really two main concepts when it comes to branding that I've seen. I mean, The first is differentiation, I believe that's a word, let's pretend that's a word. Um, It allows you to see the differences between two different brands. Like for example, a lot of people that listen to Donation are also gamers. I recently have been looking into buying an Xbox Series X or a PS5, right? All right, so if we're looking at, okay, how can I visually see the difference between the two of them? All right, well, one's green, one's blue, one looks like a giant rectangle, one looks like a a Wi-Fi router from someone from Mars, right? And so I can clearly see the difference between the two of them right then we go into the next part the second part that i was talking about with branding which is which then we go into the second important piece of branding which is that it clarifies the value that the brand brings right so for example if we're still using the xbox versus ps5 and i don't know if you're a gamer tara so bear with me this is probably excruciating but With Xbox, like you have Game Pass, which you have all these games on there. With PS5, they have so many exclusives that come on there, and they actually just announced their version of Game Pass, so on and so forth. But So basically, you can see that because of their branding, I could visually see the difference between both of them. But then the second part of their branding is that then I can see the unique value that each one of them brings. Is this making sense? Am I on the right path?
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense.
0: Awesome. Which brings me to the next part, which is there's been many people that I've uh, preached this to. I said, you know, branding, marketing is very, very important. But then they'll bring up the the concept of well, why the way that you're explaining it, there's some of my favorite artists that aren't very good at branding. There's some of my favorite artists they are huge and they don't have very strong brands the way that you're describing it right now. So what's up with that? I know, I know this one artist that sounds like 12 other artists that I know, but they're gigantic. They're huge. And so what would you say to that, Miss Tara?
1: I would say if you look closely, you'll see what they're about. So you can take, for example, I'm just thinking of when I was um, doing marketing for the White Stripes back in the day. I don't know if anyone remembers the White Stripes, but they were very anti-marketing and they were like, too cool for school. This is like circa 2002 or 2003. And it it was part my job to do their online marketing and they they were willing to do nothing. Basically, like they didn't want to do anything. Their brand was like, we are too cool for everything. We are completely anti-establishment. We're anti-corporate. And yet they're signed to Virgin. Like that was their shtick. Like whether they really felt that way or not, I don't even know. But like that, they were so firm about it. They're like, we are not sellouts. We are not sellouts. We will not have branding, was their brand. And so I give this example to say that it's always there. When anyone is magnetic to a group of people, that group of people is rallying around something. And so even if they don't have beautiful logo or pretty marketing, like actually, none of that is necessary. It, sometimes it can help if that is your brand. But it's it's more about what do you stand for? And what you stand for, it seeps through your lyrics. It seeps through your song titles, the tone of your music, how you present yourself, where you're willing to play and perform, what you're not willing to play and perform, who you're performing next to, the interviews you give, what you are willing to say, what you're not willing to say all of this is your
0: brand what do you feel like is a brand that you're just like oh chef's kiss this thing is amazing it's perfect it just takes all the check marks on the on the beautiful brand checklist like what what is what is a brand that is like that for you
1: The first example that comes to mind is a touch old school, but I think it is such a great example. Hopefully most of you have heard of Sarah McLachlan, a non-electronic artist, but Uh. good remixes. I used to be her, fun fact, I was her doppelganger growing up. I'm Canadian, I grew up in Canada, and Sarah McLachlan was an unknown Canadian artist with like a tiny foothold in the Canadian market for kind of emotionally wrought singer-songwriter songs. And she showed no signs of like really making it. But she decided to create something called Lilith Fair. And Lilith Fair was the first all-women music festival. And she put herself on the main stage alongside artists like Jewel and Paula Cole and the Indigo Girls and other people who were quite significant at that time. And again, this is like circa 1997, so we're way back in time. This, this, This stuck with me for a reason. So Lilith Fair, what it stood for was giving women a voice in the music industry. It was a very clear message. Women didn't have a voice. They were always given garbage billings on music festivals at that time. Things have changed since then, but not totally. And Sarah McLaughlin suddenly became the spokesperson for Women Deserve a Voice at a Spot on Stage. And in doing so, Cleverly aligned herself next to these major players. So suddenly you're looking at her name alongside the billing of all these superstars. What happened? She became a superstar. And her music, which was great music, don't get me wrong, but didn't exactly stand out that much, suddenly it blew up and it was huge. And she had quite an illustrious career, very successful. And Lilith Fair went on to continue. I think they did like a second run of it not that long ago. It was a hugely successful music festival. And so that to me is an example of like, how do you simply stand for something? That again, like women in the music industry, it's not like she was so wildly creative. No one had ever thought of this before. She was just brave enough to go out there and stand behind it and creatively position herself next to the people she wanted to be more like, to have the audiences.
0: Oh my gosh, there was so much good in there. You know, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me when you're talking is the concept of standing on the shoulders of giants, which is basically finding the people, the people in your industry that already have your audience that you have. And by associating with them, by being close to them, by being near them, whether in your work or or literally physically being by them, uh, you're able to siphon off some of their traffic, if you will, if that makes sense. Sometimes we call that the dream 100. The inverse of that question is, what are some brands that you feel like are the, are, are the opposite. Or you look at them and you're like, Oh gosh, no, 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 not these brands. No, no, no. They, they, they literally take your checklist that you had and they literally put an X through all of them. you like, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's no, 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 no. W- w- what are some brands like that?
1: I would say number one, if they have a following, they're not doing anything wrong. Something is working. If you have people following you and you like who's following you, and it's working. There's nothing that needs to change. Like My judgment of that brand is irrelevant. But it's not working. Okay, even if it's something beautiful, the brand looks amazing. And I actually see this all the time with brands that are way too vague. So it could be like, I stand for that I love music. Okay, that is not going to help, right? Like I love music or music production is cool or I like game. Like, no, this is too vague. So the question is, what is your unique take on that? And I actually, this isn't the easiest thing to just know. So if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't know what that is. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's not so simple. In fact, I spent years analyzing core messages, as I like to call them, from hundreds and hundreds of people and musicians and artists to start to get a sense of how to reverse engineer the process of stumbling upon this message. And so I bring people through a four to five question to help them get clear in their core message for this reason, because it can be kind of hard, right? So it's like you want a message that is not so specific that no one is going to resonate with it. You also don't want it to be so vague that nobody can say, oh, that is speaking directly to me. I see myself in that. And so there's this this sweet spot in the middle where you're very recognizable, but you're, you're not alienating 100% of the population.
0: So good. So good. And you said that there were like four to five questions, right? So can we, can we know those? Can we know what those questions are?
1: Yeah, I'll give you an example of a few of them. So my first question is a very kind of morbid thought experiment. So I'm going to use you as the guinea pig here. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And imagine that I am here telling you some very bad news, which is that this is your last five minutes of living here on planet earth. You're going to die totally morbid. And the only silver lining is that we are recording this and I have arranged for the answer to the question I'm about to ask you to be broadcast to every single human being on the planet and translated into every language imaginable so that every single human being will hear this message as your leg. Are you ready? No pressure.
0: I am of the opinion that I have never been more ready for anything in my entire life. So let's go. Let's check this out.
1: Okay. The one rule is you have five seconds to answer the question. What is your final instruction to all the inhabitants of planet Earth on how to live their lives?
0: Ooh, I would say the ability to critically think because the ability to critically think will lead you to the truth in any concept.
1: So basically think critically and cultivate the ability to think critically. Yes, yes. Wonderful. So we're going to complete this thought experiment. You're going to live a long, healthy, happy, wonderful life. Now that we're back, I am curious, why do you think that was your instruction?
0: Yeah, so that's a really good question. So in a nutshell, I grew up in a very small town, a town of 200 people in the middle of Utah. And so I very much grew up in a atmosphere where critical thinking was was not allowed. In fact, it was shunned, right? I grew up around hunters and farmers, very, very small minded. I'm not saying that all hunters and farmers are small minded by any, by any means. I'm just saying in my specific situation, it very much was like that, where anything that was that was opposite of what they had been taught or what their fathers taught or so on and so forth was very much like open rebellion, if you will. It didn't matter if we were talking about um, religion or politics or finances or uh, marriage or raising children or or schooling or anything, any concept at all. Um, It was very much, this is the way it has been. This is the way it should be. It should not change, period, end of discussion. And so what I realized as I got older is that it's not just in the small town that it was like that. I mean, I do think there was a higher concentration in the small town. But as I got older, it wasn't just like that. It was it was everywhere. It didn't matter what religion you were. It didn't matter what uh, side of the political aisle that you were. It didn't matter what country you were from. It didn't matter you know who you were married to or how many kids you had or where you went to school or if you didn't go to school or what profession you went into. This, this aspect of a lack of critical thinking is everywhere. Again, it's very concentrated in certain places i believe but it's it's literally everywhere and what i mean by that is that it's the ability to be able to take an idea, a concept, anything, and to be able to break it down and be like, is this true? Is this not true? What is the evidence suggesting that this is true? What is the evidence suggesting this is not true? Where is that information coming from? Is that source defiled? Is it reputable? Is it so on and so forth? Is this been tested? Has there been experiments on this? Is then so on and so forth. And, and I do think this is one of the biggest things that is wrong in our world right now. And I mean, I've been really beginning into politics and I'm not necessarily subscribing to either side of the political aisle. But I do believe that one of the biggest reasons why there's so much discord between uh, people on the left versus people on the right, specifically in America, is because there's no sense of critical thinking. They just believe there's this inherent belief that whatever you've been taught or whatever you think or feel is correct, is the correct thing. And any information that is brought up against that is meant to be shunned, is meant to be attacked, and so on and so forth. And of course, it's not just in politics, it's in everything. But is this making sense?
1: Yeah, it's like the ability to go beyond the confines of what you've been raised to believe to actually be able to courageously examine and throw out those beliefs, which can feel absolutely scary and risky, but it's necessary if you're going to live in your truth and have a fulfilled life. Let me ask you a question. I were to interview you on this topic. Do you think you could just talk about it for hours?
0: For days. yeah, Absolutely. Okay.
1: So I would actually end the process with you here. That is the litmus test. So first of all, we would ask the question, is there a clear message here that speaks to a specific audience? So yes, the specific audience is people who've been brought up in a fairly confined and maybe dogmatic culture, whether that's their family or where they live or their city, et cetera. Some people have been brought, everybody's brought up within some confront like they have some limited perspective but some more than others you're speaking to the people that really grew up within a very tight construct and who are curious about what else there is about more they're they're maybe they're teetering on the edge of knowing what's possible for them they're feeling a little scared or maybe they've already broken away from that mold but they need that encouragement to keep going like that's your audience for this and then the message is that keep doing what you're doing think critically here here's how here's why here's what's possible. And so you've passed both of those things. It's like, we know what your message is. We know who you're talking to. And we know that not everybody has the same message. It's not like you've interviewed 20 entrepreneurs and musicians, like probably nobody else is talking about this specifically. And then the third test is, can you talk about this endlessly? If you cannot talk about it endlessly, it's not your core message and it's not your
0: brand. Oh my gosh. It's just so logical. Just so rational. makes so much sense. And so thank you so much for describing that. So... I'm assuming that this process uh, that that you and I just did is literally what you would do with anyone. Is is that right?
1: Yeah, and sometimes people's answer to that first question will be like, just love everyone. It'll be something a little too broad. Sure. Uh, I have a series of other questions that I would ask them and then we would synthesize it together and I'm about to I have a free course that's going to go up on my website at some point soon. It's for, I just have to get it together but there is a segment on this that walks people through the steps. So if they go to my website, which I'm sure we'll share later, if you sign up for my email list, I'll email that to you soon. I'm just getting it all organized.
0: It's absolutely amazing and, and donation. When that resource is available, which by the time that you're listening to this, it very well could be available, head on over to her website. There's a Link down in the description. Is there anything else with this topic that we need to cover before we move on?
1: Yeah, I just want to say one more thing about it, which is that the idea is that you want to be like a broken record about your core message. It doesn't mean you need to say the exact same thing in the exact same words, but you want to think of it like facets of a diamond, right? Like at the center, you have a diamond, which is your core message. Mm -hmm. And the facets are all the different perspectives and ways and contexts in which you might express that core message. And the people we need, all people, all humans need repetition for something to sink in. And we need to hear things 5, 10, 15, 100, 1,000 times before it really integrates and before we really start to associate someone or something with that concept. And so you want to be talking about something you'll never get bored of, that there's always something new to apply it to. And that's why it's so important to get your correct core message so that you're excited. It always feels fresh for you. You can always bring something new to it. But that there's always this golden thread, this common thread that goes between all of your interviews, your music, your songs, your marketing, your courses, whatever it is you're putting out into the world, people can start to recognize and expect what kind of values you represent and type of content they can expect to receive.
0: Oh my gosh, this is so good. So for example, Donation, our main core here is that you get to learn from people that are currently crushing it in the industry. People that actually have careers that are doing what you want to achieve, right? And so that is our common thread. And so we try and bring on as many people as possible to, to show that, right? We have Tara Davina here. She is obviously doing it. She has obviously made a career out of this working in the music industry, has many, many credentials, and we want you to learn from her, right? We also have other producers. We also have managers. We, ha- we have so many different types of people that's all focused around this thing, which is having a music career. And we're just presenting it in different lights. So that it all comes together. To give you a real live example of outside of music, how this has actually worked for me, this idea of taking one concept and presenting it in different lights until it clicks, right? So as many of you know, uh, of the series. Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. You know, it's it has it, it been ruthlessly memed for like 10 years now. I watched the movie when I was in high school. I went with my girlfriend at the time. It was terrible, awful. I, it's just, it, I'm, not, I'm not into it. it. It wasn't a thing, right? Back in 2020, Stephanie Meyer released a new version of Twilight, which is from Edward's perspective, who's the the, the main male protagonist in in the in the series, right? I was like, I don't know, I'll, I'll try it. My wife loves Twilight. My wife is not the girlfriend I had in high school. Fun fact, um, little little trivial thing, but. Um, I was like, all right, you know, like she really likes it. Well, I'll give it a shot, right? I read the book. Oh my gosh, like it was beautiful. It was probably one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. It's the exact same story. It's the exact same story that has always existed inside Twilight. But now it's it's presented in such a different way that I'm just like, I freaking get it. Like, this is beautiful. This is amazing. And it and it just clicked for me. And it's the exact same concept that we're talking about here. You have your main message, your, your main core thing that you are trying to portray, that you're trying to connect people with. And you just put it in different lights. You put it in different ways. And eventually maybe like the first time you do it, it's going to connect with some people and not with some other people. Second time, it's going to connect with the first people and some and, the, and this new second group of people and maybe not with the third group of people yet, but then you do it the third time and it just compounds and goes and goes and goes. But it's,
1: it's an unfolding process over time and it's always evolving, but it can make things, it makes it so much more fun to market yourself as well.
0: So once we understand the branding concept, we've, we've implemented it, it's working. Uh, we'll call it the branding domino for now. Once we have the branding domino firmly set in place, what is the next domino that we're supposed to be working on?
1: So once you've got your branding, and you've come up with... Well, I guess the next step is knowing how to then put it into words, how to articulate things, how to write properly, which is why I teach a writing course called Write to Sell Your Magic, which is all about how to word what you're about in a way that feels really authentic to you. So even if you're clear on your message, you may not be clear on like how to really word how you feel about everything. Because... Ultimately, you have to be able to word it somehow. Whether you're writing about it, whether you're speaking about how to put it into words in a way that people can truly hear you is the next step. And so that's what I usually guide people through. And just to give you an example of the kinds of things that I teach people, because it's not about like a marketing copywriting. It's not about like, say this, but not that. Like it's more about like, are you being specific enough? So an example would be if I say to you... I had fruit for breakfast. Not super memorable. Probably no. not going to think about that ever again.
0: Oh, for sure. I'll forget about it immediately.
1: But what if I said to you this morning, I sunk my teeth into the most juicy, plump red strawberry that was the sweetest I'd ever tasted. And as the juice ran down my chin, I thought to myself, this is the best strawberry I've ever had in my life. you could have thoughts about it. You'd be like, have I ever had a strawberry that's sweet? I'd like to have that experience. Like, who is she for describing a strawberry this way? I love that. You're like, it's gonna create some thought or reaction or response, which is the key here. And it's memory. And what is the difference? Well, fruit is what we call an abstraction, which means that if I say the word fruit, you could imagine an orange, you could imagine a peach, you could imagine a mango, you could literally imagine any thousands of fruits. I don't know, there might even be tens of thousands that exist in the world. But if I say a giant, plump, juicy strawberry fresh from the farm or something like this, like there's not a lot of difference. Like if I, like I'm like i imagining a strawberry that's juicy and you're imagining a strawberry that's juicy, there's no difference in what we're imagining. We're on the same page. It's called being specific, right? You so have abstract and you have specific. And if people don't know you, they need you to be specific because they're not going to be able to make the assumptions or fill in the blanks. Once people know you, like when I'm coaching a client, I've been working with for years, like I can say something super vague and they just, they catch it. They know what I'm talking about. They can fill in the blanks. They've been hearing me say the same thing for years. So I can afford to be more vague with them and get into kind of wild, abstract concepts. But for someone who doesn't know me, I got to be specific. I got to give it to them. I've got to use language that is, Evocative. Like, I, I might not say, like, get more people to follow you because that's whatever they're going to forget me. I would say, like, gain thousands of new followers every day on Facebook who can't wait to buy your music on. Band camp or something. Not that it buys <laughs> music these days, but so that is one like that's the type of concept that I think is foundational for people, and it can be used again in an interview. It can be used in writing, and I think that is the next step after you nail your core message. That it's time to learn how to put things into words in a way that's effective.
0: So to put it into a phrase that we've used on the podcast before, this has to do with the temperature of the audience at any given time. Your audience is one of three temperatures: they're so either cold, warm, or hot. Right? If they're cold, they have no idea who you are. If they're warm, they kind of know who you are, and if they're hot. They know exactly who you are, and so no matter what, they're one of those three temperatures. And how you speak to each audience temperature is different, right? If, if they're cold, you're not going to be using the same words or the same phrases or the same concepts as you would if they were hot, right? So, for example, with the strawberry, right, uh, I, I was effectively a cold audience, and so you described it perfectly for me. Later on, if you're like, hey, why, by the way, I had one another one of those strawberries. That's you're you're treating me as as though I'm a hot audience, as though I know what's going on. I'd be like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? This is the same concept, by the way, um, in life. You do this with friends all the time, or with with loved ones. Like the way that I spoke to my wife when we first started dating is not the same way that I speak to her now. Like I've learned things along the way of how to phrase how to phrase things, how to say things, how she likes me to to do certain things, and that's completely fine. This also plays into what we call the brain calorie meter, right? Which is how many brain calories does someone have to exert or spend in order to understand your message, right? So if let's say someone is of the cold audience and you're speaking to them as though they are hot uh, of the hot audience, that is going to be a tremendous amount of brain calories that they are going to have to exert in order to figure out what you are saying. You do not want that. That is that is a big no no. There's a big no no, right? We want to spend the least or we want the the people that we're Sending our message out to to spend the least amount of brain calories as physically possible, right? Okay, I think we beat this into the ground at this point. At least I have. And so now let's go on to the next domino. What is the, what what is the next domino in this process?
1: So the next piece is to pick your platform. Like decide where you're going to focus your energy and attention. And generally, unless you have a lot of support, you're probably going to want to pick one to start, you know, I on know. social media platform to focus on one music platform, which you're going to pick Spotify because it's the biggest That's or you're technically bigger. But so you want to pick a platform to be heard. You know, for, I always suggest that you pick the platform that you use. Okay. So if you don't use a platform, I wouldn't try to make a name for yourself on that platform. It's going to be tough. People can feel it when you're not really into it. It's not something you're engaged with. It doesn't have the same impact. So, I would, if you use Facebook, you use focus your attention there. If you use Instagram, focus your attention there. If you're a TikToker, that's where you want to go. Heck, if you're on Pinterest, focus there and start to show up consistently on that platform. And this showing up consistently sounds so simple and so easy, but it is the piece that most of us struggle with the most, and most of us can't keep going. And there's all I have all sorts of strategies as to how to do that. Like just an example of one strategy is how to reuse, recycle, and repurpose content. So we're not reinventing the wheel every single time. There's like one piece of content can be used twenty different ways. And so there's all sorts of things I would say about that, but consistency is the key. If you consistently show up with a great core message on a platform that is well articulated, you are going to be able to rock it as long as you know how to sell.
0: You just saved a significant amount of producers, a significant amount of time by not having to go to every single social media and waste their time because their audience wasn't even there in the first place. right? Picking your platform, picking the platform where you literally spend your time is one of the smartest things ever because that is more than likely where your audience is going to be, right? I'm I'm sure you're familiar with who Russell Brunson is. He's amazing. He teaches this concept of going where the fish are, right? I grew up in a small town, of course, so I am very well-versed in fishing. If you want to go fishing for salmon, there's a place where you go. If you want to go for trout, there's a place where you go. If you want to go for I don't know. Apparently I'm not well versed in fishing as much as I thought that would catfish That's the thing. 100%. More than likely a thing. Anyways, you have to go to where the fish are. So you have to go to the place where your audience is. It doesn't make sense for you to go spend time on Pinterest if that's not where your audience is. So I completely agree with what you're saying. You are your audience. Go where your audience is. Ah, 12 out of 10. I love it. Let's keep going. What's domino number four?
1: So first of all, you have to know what you're selling. All right. So it could be something... Perhaps you've chosen a goal like I want more listeners on Spotify so that I can eventually have an income that is somewhat significant from streaming platforms. That could be a goal. Another goal might be like, I want to make a bunch of money from merch, from software, from whatever it is that you're selling, from courses, from teaching, etc. So decide what you're selling. Decide how much you're selling it for. These are all big decisions. You want to sell something that goes along with your core message. Number one, you want to price it in a way that you're going to be ecstatically happy to receive the amount that you're pricing it for, not based on what you imagine people might pay. This This is a whole world of something we could explore for hours. But once you've done that, then you decide where do you want to send people? Do you want to send people to something you're offering for free and get them on your email list and start to speak to them that way? Which usually is the best strategy. In some cases, you might simply send them somewhere to pay for something immediately. Again, it depends who you're talking to, to make that decision. Usually it's smart though, to get someone on your email list. I'm sure you've spoken about this a lot. So you've decided what you're selling and where you're sending people. And then you have to... And that... There are a million ways to sell. It's about finding what feels comfortable for you, what feels exciting for you, what feels comfortably uncomfortable for you. You Pushing your edges, but in a good way that leads you towards growth and get really comfortable with that form of selling. And there's something that will work for everyone, but you got to sell. And one of my favorite mentors said something to me years ago that stuck with me for a long time, which is that she said, I feel weird if I don't sell something every day. And I was like, what? You sell something every day? Like, even I didn't show up, I could show up every day and like offer something for sale and have someone purchase it. And like this woman is a multimillionaire entrepreneur and it really rewired me. I was like, oh, I can sell every day. Like every day, something should be available for sale or there should be some piece of content working for me. For example, like a podcast that I've recorded that could be listened to any day of the week by anybody. It's all about... It's like how you can get your money working for you by investing and getting returns. You can get your marketing working for you by investing and seeding content and planting seeds all over the internet so that people can find you and you can have those happy, serendipitous coincidences or accidents of people stumbling upon your content and then making a purchase. And they're really not accidents. It's just about planting those seeds and being really clear in what you're selling and knowing what you're offering and being able to word it in a way that is really clear around a core message that is really
0: impactful. There was a significant amount of gems in that last part. I'm going to focus just on one really quickly that stood out to me, which is this concept of that. so many producers, so many artists have come to me and they're like, why it like I can't get behind the marketing thing. It's gross. It's slimy. It's, it's car salesman Like, I can't do it. It's just, there's no way that I can be a true artist and also focus on this marketing business side. And I, and yeah, you're shaking your head right now. And I, and I feel the same way. It was just like, what do you mean? Like, why would you say that? That like, doesn't make any sense to me. They're, they're partners in crime, they're part of the same whole. They're two sides of the same coin. Like, your marketing is what gets your music out to the people. It's a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be slimy and gross and nasty and so on and so forth. And a lot of people have, have rebuttal to that. It's like, well, if my music is good, it should speak for itself and then it should promote itself. And it's like, I'm sorry, man, but that doesn't exist anywhere in any business, no matter what. And and this is a business. Regardless if you don't like to use that word. That's the no-no word. That's the trigger word. I'm sorry. Like th- that that doesn't exist. You have to Present your music in such a way where it gets out to the people. There's no thing that is just so good that requires zero marketing. People can bring up like, "Well, wait, Tesla is so good that it doesn't need marketing." Well, the fact that they exist, that the cars are on the road, that is a form of marketing, right? It's a different type of marketing than like paying for ads and stuff like that, but it's still a form of marketing. So, yeah, they're still marketing, right? You have to market. You have to know your business in order to grow your brand. It's just, it's just a part of the process. There's no way around it. You know, I've also heard people have told me that they're just like, "Oh my gosh, like." you know i've seen someone do this certain type of marketing and now i'm not going to market my music anymore it's not going to happen and so i t- and i've said to them in the past it's like that's like saying that you went to burger king and thought it was gross. So you'll never go to a restaurant again. No restaurant, no matter what. No no steakhouse, no sushi, no pizza, nothing. You will never go to a restaurant again because of what Burger King did to you. It's like, dude, you were missing out on so many beautiful experiences and so many beautiful concepts because you believe that this really nasty representation of what a restaurant is, is now affecting your overall view of what a restaurant is, which is just absolutely terrible because there are so many beautiful marketing techniques that can fit with your brand, where you can still find the people that, that truly resonates with you and not be that gross, slimy salesman at the same time. You see what I'm
1: saying? 100% again. And I would say, like, this is why I do what I do, is to help people make their marketing feel like a work of art. Because we deserve to have our marketing feel as artful as our Music or our product, right? Like, if it doesn't feel artful, it's going to feel inauthentic. It's going to feel like a chore. We're not going to love it. And I would just say there's always a way to make it artful. There's always a way to make it feel really authentic. And you never have to settle for marketing that feels like anything less. And there's often really clever ways of doing it. Like, an example I love to share a friend of mine is a really successful branding photographer, and she started from scratch, from nothing. And this is what she did. She would do a photo shoot with someone and she photographed entrepreneurs. And so she would have these beautiful photos and she would post a few of them and then celebrate the person she was photographing. So she would say, why is this incredible entrepreneur? And here's a million amazing facts about... Wyatt and some beautiful photos of Wyatt. And she didn't even have to say like, and I have packages for sale and come buy them. The marketing spoke for itself. She was, all she was doing was highlighting amazing people that she's working with. But immediately people would then say, Oh, I want to be featured by this woman. I want to be highlighted and celebrated. I want photos that look like that. Obviously, when I need photos, I'm going to go to her or I wasn't thinking about photos, but now I am. And you can bet none of this felt inauthentic. What is she doing? She's sharing her art, celebrating her art, sharing it. She never has to brag about herself once. She gets to brag about other people genius. And now she's someone who's made millions and millions of dollars.
0: This interview has been just incredibly refreshing just because there's so many things that you have been saying that I've been saying for years. But you know, some people are just like, I don't know why you're just this kid in Utah. And I'm like, dude, I'm living it. I talk to people all the time who are living it as well. Like we see the data, we know what works, we know what's going on. So it's just very refreshing to know that there's someone else out there that confirms you know my opinions my data so on and so forth. So um we're getting close on time here and so to wrap this all up, uh not that we want to wrap it up, we want to respect your time. Is there anything else that we want to talk about b- before we wrap this all up? Like is there any call to actions or any final messages or anything like that, that that you want to discuss before we before we wrap up?
1: I would say get support. And support can look a number of different ways, right? Support could be having an accountability partner that you work with that helps you stick to your goals. Support could be having a mentor or a coach help you through those, those difficult spots. And like none of this, you don't have to have that, but it will help you move so much faster if you do. Somebody to point at your blind spots, to give you guidance, to keep you moving forward, etc. Support can also look like hiring people to help you. So an example would be, you could learn to produce your own music. You could hire a producer, right? Both are perfectly reasonable paths. Both have their pros and cons, their advantages and disadvantages. One isn't better than the other, but one is going to move a lot. So if you or a musician who does not want to invest time in producing your own music, you hire a producer. If you are a marketer who needs some support with your marketing, maybe you need a virtual assistant to help you get things out there. Maybe you need a copywriter or a copy editor to help you with your marketing. Who knows? Maybe you need a graphic designer to help you with your logo, etc. Don't be afraid to invest some money. Even if you think you don't have any, it's worth it in yourself in your business to get the support that you need. Because it really is true, it takes an investment to make money. right? Like You have to give money to make money. Even if you think you have none. I've seen it time and time again. Wise investments in yourself will have an incredible return. If you don't make them, you won't get the return. If you do make them, you have a really good chance of getting the results that you... So
0: deeply desire. We could open up an entire gem store, gem franchise at this point with how many gems have been dropped in this interview. So we we really really appreciate all of your knowledge and wisdom that you've shared. But I completely agree with with what you just said. Is that you you do need support, right? It doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're beginner, intermediate, advanced. If you have no idea what a dot is, or if you're like yeah, like I'm producing, I'm getting releases on labels, or you're making ten to to hundred thousand dollars per month doing music. It doesn't matter where you are. You need support. Um, You use the word accountability partner. I love that. I love the idea of accountability partner. We've used the term mastermind before. All the same concept. It's just you... Being with somebody, you 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 working with somebody that has similar goals to you, or that has achieved something that you want, or wants to achieve the same thing that you want, or so on and so forth. It just keeps you on the path. I have one. Many of those who listen to the podcast know it's AU Five. We meet all the time. Um, in fact, we have a meeting tonight. You know, just to go over things, make sure we're on track, and keep pushing each other forward, and so on and so forth. So, I highly encourage everyone to have some type of accountability partner or mastermind going on. Literally, right now, when when you're talking about like hiring someone, we literally just looked at our last year, and it's like, okay in the last year where were where were our biggest bottlenecks and we hired 4 people to cover those bottlenecks. And it's like, yes, this is exactly what we need. I don't know if it's going to work out. But you know, the fact that we're just we're having faith and we're moving forward is exactly what needs to happen. And I hope Donation is going to be taking similar uh, steps forward. I know I already asked you if you have any final words. Is there any final, final words?
1: I think that feels complete for right now. And I could speak for hours and hours about each of these topics. I would just say don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of marketing. It can be really fun and really rewarding.
0: Tara, thank you so much. Donation, make sure to go over to her website, check out all the resources over there and everything that she has for everyone over there. And Tara, again, this is just amazing. There was so much knowledge in here. And I really hope that Donation really takes this seriously, really treats this podcast with the respect that it deserves, because you took your time, you've you've taken your time out of your day to share this stuff with you. You've sacrificed years of your life figuring this out. And now you just lay it on the silver platter for all of us so that we can benefit from this. And so hopefully Donation will not you know, take your sacrifice in vain or make your sacrifice in vain, hopefully they can take it and start applying it into their music careers ASAP. But with that being said, thank you so much for coming on. And we'd love to have you on again sometime.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy to have this conversation with you.
0: Donation, don't you dare forget there is a free download down in the description, or you can head on over to Donation.net slash Tara, T-A-R-A. It is the Was It You free sample pack. You gotta go grab it, it's amazing, it's free. It's, It's begging for you, begging for you to go grab it. Anyways, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. You know all the good stuff, you know all the wonderful things. We have tons of other episodes, but Donation, Donation, listen to me, listen to me. You are not done, you're not finished here. You have homework, I have things for you to do. Now that you have enjoyed this episode, I highly encourage you to go check out the episode that we just did with She Is Jewels. If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to love that episode, okay? By the way, there is a free download over there as well for her free vocal sample pack. For She Is Jewels free vocal sample pack, you can head on over to donation.net slash She Is sheisjewels. S-H-I-S-J-U-L-E-S. I'm still learning how to spell. It's incredibly difficult. Anyways, so with that being said, we'll see you over there.